Thanks to Sprout Social for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Sprout Social offers businesses an intuitive platform to help build meaningful relationships at scale on social. To learn how your brand can create real connection, visit SproutSocial.com today. It's Tuesday, May 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio. He's been avoiding the studio. He hasn't been in here since last fall. It's Matt Copenheffer. Hey, Chris. As I stumble over your name. That's how that's, long it's that's been. That's how long. I've that's forgotten how to pronounce your you last to, name. You have to relearn it. It's it, it is It is the last name you have to relearn. It is. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. Um, Home Depot is reporting, we're, we're not talking about that today. We're going to save that for Motley Fool Money this weekend, so check that out. We do have some retail news we're going to get to, but I want to start with this. I was thinking of you recently because, in advance of the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting, people were tweeting at me and emailing me, posting in the Motley Fool Podcast Facebook group, like, hey, are you going to the Berkshire Hathaway meeting? And uh, of course, the answer was no. But but when I got those questions, I immediately thought of you because you're like the, you're the person I think of. It's like, oh no, the person who goes to those is Matt Copa. I know you didn't go this time, right? You've right. been before. But I'm curious what you're thinking these days when you look at Buffett, when you look at Berkshire Hathaway. Obviously, the the big news. I would say, in some order, the big news around the meeting this year was the purchase of Amazon shares, mm-hmm. which Buffett was very quick to say wasn't me. Right, right. It was uh, one of the fellas. One of the fellas, Todd or Ted. Um, and then also the the fallout from Wells Fargo. So I'm uh, take that in any order you want. <laughs> I like we, we can go in any order, but I'm curious your thoughts on both of those as someone who has like watched this company very closely for a long time. Yeah, I think I think the Amazon the Amazon purchase is is interesting and and it's not it's not Buffett himself it's it's one of the fellas but it's another foray into what what people would refer to as technology and we were actually talking about this a little bit before the show I find the the purchase of Amazon again whether it's Buffett or not far less surprising than the purchase the into airlines. That one is it's an industry that he had talked down for for a long time. He got not, burned. Yeah, not just not just about I don't understand that industry, but like this is a bad industry and then here he is going into it. I, I won't get into that here. That's changing structural dynamics within the airline industry that changes the investment outlook for it. So when you get into it it's not that surprising. Amazon it's Another one of these businesses, you go back to IBM, when he got into IBM, right or wrong, again, look back at the results of that, right or wrong, but when he went into it, it's like, oh, Warren Buffett getting into technology, he never would. In a similar way, IBM, it's oh, it's more services, it's not like this fast, out-front type of company. Same thing with Amazon. I mean, it is, it's a retailer, and of course, AWS in the middle of it. I think big picture, though, on Buffett and technology. Technology is applied science, right? So, at some point, railroads, uh, railroads are a technology, but we're not saying, oh, Berkshire Hathaway bought BNSF, <laughs> they're investing in technology, right? I think it's more what we need to think about is Buffett doesn't invest in things that are new, high flying, and unproven. It's not that he's avoiding technology. He's he's looking for proven things that can be profitable and grow, and he can count on in the future. In some ways, um, among the other lessons that Warren Buffett provides, he also is, I think, a great lesson in you don't have to be first to invest in a company. I'm hard pressed to think of 
a big investment that he's made where it's like, wow, he was way out early in front of everyone else on that one. No, no, it's it's way more common that he's decades or even more too late. I mean, you look at the the banks that he invested in. Well, Wells Fargo, he invested in twenty five years ago, something like that. And I mean, at that point, Wells Fargo was founded in the eighteen hundreds, right? So, so he's maybe a hundred years too late on that one. Some people, most people, say that on on a lot of the investments he gets into, um, which I guess is a good segue into Wells Fargo, which is or well, I was going to say before we get to Wells Fargo, the the other thing I was thinking, just you know, and you mentioned the airlines, and they and it really, I mean, it's hard to overstate how openly disdainful of the of airlines as a business Warren Buffett was for many years in his adult life because he made an investment he got burned badly on it so it wasn't like he wasn't talking with no experience he had a really bad experience but it makes me think that his moving into airline stocks it's all the more a sign of value is his north star he got burned badly on airline stocks but then as you said, structural changes. The people running the airlines get smarter about how to make money off of airlines, mm-hmm. and he puts emotion aside and says, "Look, from a value proposition, I like the looks of Delta. I like the looks of Southwest Airlines." Yes, yes, I think it's that. I think it's also to to some extent, and this will also overlap a little bit with with Wells Fargo. Is he's? I imagine he's looking at that industry, and. I think it's it's overreach to say that it's becoming anti-competitive, but it's becoming a lot less competitive, and that's part of those structural changes. Is that these airlines used to compete themselves to death, and the the capital investment and everything else, they just couldn't keep up with it in terms of pricing and everything else. But the ways that the airline industry is changing, they're able to be more profitable, and it's harder to compete with the big established airlines, and that makes it a more attractive investment. Does that make it more attractive from a lot of other angles? Probably not. Um, I personally like Delta. I, I think Delta is is a great carrier, and and has improved a lot over the years. But the airline industry in general, I think, is going to lack innovation and change because it's so much harder to compete as a smaller carrier these days. I feel like there was a little bit of revisionist history going on after the Berkshire Hathaway meeting with respect to Warren Buffett's comments about Wells Fargo. It seemed like there were some in the media who were saying, well, I think he was, you know, kind of tough on Wells Fargo and I I just sort of looked at that and I thought, you know, all things considered, I don't know that he was all that tough on Wells Fargo and, you know, uh, we've talked before about the troubles at Wells Fargo, the the fake credit card accounts that they created, they they have Tim Sloan come in to be the CEO, which in hindsight looks like it was probably a mistake because they could have used some fresh blood and and now they're they're trying to right that ship. But to your point about sort of the underlying strength of the business, I mean, as much as anything, do you think that's why Buffett is to the extent that he's giving Wells Fargo a pass and it kind of seems like he is, is it because the underlying business of Wells Fargo is so uh, what's the correct word? Attractive. <laughs> I, I, I was going for another A word, but sure, you can anti-competitive, attractive, attractive, attractive. Let's Depending on your point of view, those can be the same thing. Look, you've got to take this with a massive, massive grain of salt because I am a shareholder in Wells Fargo. I'm a, I'm a big shareholder in in Berkshire Hathaway, but you you look at Wells Fargo, and it is it is still 
despite this this massive scandal, it is still one of the big four banks in America. It has the dividend adjusted returns over the past 10 years have been 131 percent. You're trailing the S and P. You're trailing the S and P with Wells Fargo, but 131 percent over the last 10 years, despite this massive scandal and just bungling one bungle after the next. But the underlying network and size and scale and the inability for smaller banks to come up and really take down these big banks and the big banks to have any there's no room for them to go down and so and so i think that's what that's what buffett is looking at basically and so then you go beyond that and then you have to question well is that good? Is that fair? Outside of the investment perspective, I think that's a, that's a different question. You can also go and then question what of Buffett's past comments about credibility and and all of his stuff about you don't want to do anything that will end up on the front page of the newspaper. What does that say about all of that? I don't know. I don't I don't think it reflects well on that. But it's I think it's a reflection that Buffett is a human at the end of the day. And just like the rest of us, he's trying to balance the thing that he's doing to make a living in, in, in his profession versus what he believes in. And this is, I imagine this is a place, I hope this is a place where he's feeling some cognitive dissonance because what he has claimed to believe and what's going on at Wells Fargo don't line up. I want to get to what you've been working on in just a second because I know you've been busy, but. Uh, we've had a bunch of IPOs in the last six months. Uh, from my standpoint, they've certainly been entertaining, regardless of whether or not they, you know, whether it's a Beyond Meat uh, shooting to the moon. As a vegetarian, I'm very excited about that. By the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I figured you would be, and I'm, I'm assuming you're getting your money lined up for when Impossible Foods goes public as well. We also had Uber. I'm I'm curious when you look at all of these IPOs, does anything in particular go through your mind as an investor? There is there's some aspect of not not necessarily with like with a Beyond Meat. That is an example of a business that I think that I'm really excited about because they are making the thing. There a lot of not only the U.S. economy but the global economy. A lot of the the biggest companies, the the most highly valued companies, are centered around putting products in front of us and 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 selling products that somebody else is making. And this is this is something. If you look back over the scope of time, this is something that that goes in waves, has its ups and downs. So, the the power within the economy versus those who make and those who sell the the platform versus the 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 individual company um, and the provider this tends to shift back and forth but right now it's definitely shifted very much in tor- in terms of who's selling who's got the advertising space who's sort of controlling the marketplace if you want to think about it from a historical you know bizarre kind of perspective who who's controlling the marketplace that's very very important right now and it's just a little funny to me that it that at some point you have to have the products, the things, and that's why, for better or for worse, I give a lot of respect to Elon Musk because what he's doing, he's he's innovating around a thing. He's built a thing. He's innovating something that people are actually buying, as opposed to a way that people buy other things. 
Well, they're not buying as many as probably he and his shareholders they're, would hope. No, but. no. <laughs> there, there are other there are other issues there, but um, but it is an actual physical good and innovation in that sense. Uh, I want to say give a quick shout out to Sprout Social for supporting today's show. What makes people love the brands they love? In a word, connection. And social media is where they look for that connection. And Sprout Social gives businesses a unified solution to find, engage with, and nurture their audiences through social. In one intuitive platform, see and respond to every message, join the conversations happening around your brand, and turn rich social data into actionable insights. You know, if you're running a small business, you probably don't have a dedicated person on your staff who's dealing with social media. So this is where Sprout Social comes in. More than 25,000 organizations around the globe use Sprout to create real connection. So no matter the size of your organization or the scale of your social efforts, Sprout has you covered when you need to deliver and measure valuable content, learn deeper insights about your audience, and nurture relationships with your customers. To learn how your brand can create real connection, visit SproutSocial.com today. That's SproutSocial.com. So I was asking you earlier, like, what are you working on before? And you said, I'm working on my wallet hero. And I'm ashamed to say that my in-the-moment reaction was, what is that? <laughs> well, as as you obviously know, and as the the dozens of listeners to this show know, the fool has done such a an amazing, incredible job empowering people to be able to invest better over many years, and and. We've done so well at helping people improve their financial lives from that perspective. One of the things as a company we've been looking at doing is how can we help people in their broader financial lives. So in in the U.S. we have a website called The Ascent, theascent.com. I encourage people to visit there. And this is this is about how if, if you need a new credit card, what credit card? How do you choose? How do you go about with all the credit cards out there? What bank account? If you need a loan, if you need a mortgage, all of these questions, we're hoping to help fools make these kind of decisions as well. And my wallet hero is taking that to our global listeners. So right now we're in the UK at mywallethero.com or mywallethero.co.uk, and we're aiming to do the same thing. Need a credit card, need a brokerage account. We provide the information that helps people make better decisions on that. Nice. Yeah. Are you getting a good response? We are. We are. I, it's it's something that that can be very overwhelming. You you know you need a credit card. I, at least that's my perspective. It makes it makes commerce. It makes your everyday life so much easier. But how do you choose? And and how important is it? Is the APR on your credit card? Should you choose a rewards credit card, or do you want a cashback credit card? Like these are a lot of questions that the average person doesn't want to dig in and read as much as we're reading on it. So I feel like this is a very helpful service to be able to go in there and say, "Help me figure this out." Yeah, it's one of those things where I think we all want choice on some level. It's like, yeah, I want on some level, on some <laughs> level. But at some point, you just you know, and and for me, it's like you know, walking into it can be a grocery store or a Target or a Walmart, and it's just like. At some point, you get too many choices. It's like I'm just, the I'm toothpaste. Just, yeah, or it's like I'm I'm just looking for some ketchup. I don't <laughs> like I, I don't. Can you not offer me forty brands of ketchup? I'm just can you just offer me a couple? Um, so the retail news I mentioned, Asina Retail Group, which is a company we've talked about from time to time. Um, that's the parent company name, uh, probably better known by all of the women's apparel brands that Asina 
owns uh, Ann Taylor, Justice, Lane Bryant. Um, a senior retail announced that they are going to be shutting down their dress barn business line. This is 650 stores. Um, they're looking to focus on the more profitable brands, which makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to bricks and mortar retail in a second. I, I, I have to be honest, when I saw this story, the first thing that went to my, <laughs> through my mind was, okay, good. Like like not not that not good that stores are closing and good that you know there there are employees there who will be out of a job but just as brand names go dress barn is just not a good name like like really you're trying to get women to come in and shop and it's like yeah. come into the barn and buy some clothes like no, no that's that's awful it's, it's it's just not a good name so. I was actually trying to think through because we we lived in Germany for a few years and have traveled around a bunch. So, so you end up seeing uses of the English language for brands in other countries that that aren't always so ideal. And we've seen quite a few of those. So I was trying to think back: Are there any that really compete with Dress Barn as just such a such a bad brand name for trying to bring people in? And the best one I could come up with, and this isn't a brand name per se, but we were at a Christmas market in Vienna. So so. Um, in Vienna, things are referred to as, as Wiener, um, so, and that's W-I-E-N-E-R. And there's a, a punch that, that, you can, that you drink at the Christmas markets. And so, one of these you, you go by, and it's labeled, and this is if you're reading it in English, it wouldn't be pronounced like this in German, but it's, it reads Wiener Punch. <laughs> and, and so, I'm, I'm thinking it's sort of on the level of that. So I think probably a brand that won't be missed. Probably, probably. Um, By the way, for for anyone who's wondering about the state of bricks and mortar retail, with this announcement, 650 locations, um, throw in the announcements that we've gotten earlier this year from Gap, Victoria's Secret, Payless Shoes, more than 6,000 stores have been announced to be closed in 2019. That is more than all of the store closures we saw in 2018. So, for anyone wondering about the state of bricks-and-mortar retail, that is as good a stat as you're going to find on which way things are headed. Can I put you on the spot to ask when the last bricks-and-mortar retail purchases that you made? Um, gosh, does a farmers market count? No, it doesn't because no. that's not bricks and mortar. Yeah, no farmers market, and I'll actually I'll take out grocery stores too. Um, boy, probably a month. A month. Where was that? Um, I'm I'm including CVS in with the grocery stores. Yes, yes. So yeah, yeah, like drugstores and you know, uh, it was at Target. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I see. See, we do some grocery shopping at Target, so I would have discounted that. But that's probably my last one too. Yeah. Target. Uh, quick shout out. Uh, our, our the immortal Dan Boyd, our producer, is of course behind the glass as he is. But also, quick shout out to someone else behind the glass, and that's Grace Fluharty, uh, a member of the graduating class of T.C. Williams High. Go Titans! Very nice. We are the Titans, the mighty, mighty Titans. Um, Grace is spending a couple of weeks at Full HQ doing a senior experience thing, which is one of the great things they do at TC Williams High. So that's amazing. Good to have Grace hanging out with us, um, Matt Copenhaver. Let's let's 
let's try and get you back in the studio in less than six months, if possible. Can we do that? We will do our best. Okay. Thank you for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.